Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know medical care requires informed consent, but laws require informed consent. Politics, entrepreneurship, how you engage with your diet, health, exercise, even relationships. These all require a place of being informed. And I am so sick of being called a conspiracy theorist for using my brain and being informed. So that's where this podcast came to life. This is Informed Consent. I'm your host, Brooke Brewer. Let's start talking. What if I were to tell you that there is a vaccine on the CDC schedule that actually has more fatalities from the vaccine recorded and reported than the disease itself? You know, we hear so much hepatitis talk, hepatitis C, hepatitis B, that we seem to think when we hear hepatitis, we think serious. I'm not disregarding that hepatitis in any form couldn't be serious, but think hepatitis, I don't know about you guys, but my mind does not go to hepatitis A. My mind goes to hepatitis C or hepatitis B. You know, we've covered hepatitis B early on in this series because hepatitis B is a vaccine that we give to our children for the hepatitis B disease. And we give this to our newborn babies on the day that they are born. And 12 months later, we give our children the hepatitis A vaccination for the hepatitis A disease. And most parents don't even realize that their children are getting this vaccine. Most parents don't even really know the impacts or the consequences or the lack of consequences of this disease. Most parents don't even realize that This is actually in some states, not even a mandatory vaccination to be received to go to school, but it's on the CDC schedule. And for your doctors who push the CDC schedule, especially those that we've learned in this series that have financial interest, which is all of them, they will push this because it's on the CDC schedule. And I really want to share and hopefully bring to so much light how unnecessary this vaccination is, but we vaccinate for it. So it's got to be like amazing. And it's got to be a disease that we need to fear because it's clearly on the vaccine schedule. And a lot of, like I said, a lot of parents don't even realize we're vaccinating for this. So in today's episode, if you haven't noticed, we are going to talk about hepatitis A. And just as we do in every episode, we are going to break it down. We are going to break down the vaccine. We are going to break down the disease. We are going to break down how it's made, all the things to help you make a more informed decision for yourself, for your children, and for your family, and for your future. But before we get into it, let's talk about one of our sponsors. Organ meats were eaten and prized by our ancestors for their vital properties. Throughout time, there's been so much negative stigma around organ meats and liver-specific supplements. I've recently dove into the benefits of beef liver and organ meats, and the benefits are astonishing. So astonishing that I was so beyond thrilled to try this new product because let's be honest, I still can't get over the taste trying to eat these organs, which is why having them encapsulated with the most nutrient dense foods on the planet with a unique blend of nine different organs has been so incredible for me. I have noticed so many changes for the positive in my health and my wellness 
my menstrual cycle, my hormones, so many incredible things, even from my energy to my sleep, everything I feel has been so much more regulated with taking this supplement from Optimal Carnivore. Optimal Carnivore is a complex created by grass-fed beef raised in New Zealand, which is known to have the most clean and pure farming land on the planet. And they provide a nutrient-dense supplement that contains a blend of grass-fed organ complex, which contains nine different organs that helps to give your body the nutrients it craves in the raw form that our ancestors grew up with. This supplement contains a complex of a combination of beef, liver, brain, heart, thymus, kidney, spleen, pancreas, lung, and gallbladder to help ensure a full spectrum support. Each organ contains its own unique benefits and you benefits and nutritional profile. Again, these These organs are sourced from 100% grass-fed beef organs from the animals in New Zealand. They gently freeze-dry the organs to preserve all of the vitamins, minerals, proteins, and enzymes. I love this because this is easy to take the organ meats and get a high quality beef organ supplement without having to worry about the guesswork of cooking and trying to eat organ meat that maybe might not taste the best for you. You can skip the taste, the smell, and the hassle of cooking organ meats and take these incredibly nutrient capsules instead. To order this incredible supplement, they have the grass-fed organ complex as well as the beef liver capsules, which are both what I take. You can actually just get this right through Amazon, search Optimal Carnivore, and you can use code BROOKB10 to save you 10% off at checkout. Again, that's code BROOKB10 at checkout to save you 10% off your order. So the hepatitis A Hepatitis A is a completely harmful and mild disease for children. You know, like I had shared, you don't really hear much about the hepatitis A because it's not very common in the United States. And even at that, it's when it's, and even at that, when it does happen in the United States, it tends to be so mild in children. Now that might not be the case for everybody, but we'll get into that. Hep A is really a disease that's very common in third world countries where just about every single child in third world countries catch hepatitis A when they're young. And most of these children will catch hepatitis A in these third world countries and they will not even get symptoms. So how how can you catch hepatitis A? So hepatitis A is a disease that you get through ingestion. And typically this comes from the ingestion of contaminated food and or water, and it makes its way into your intestines. Obviously, just that statement alone can make it somewhat more understandable, unfortunately, why third world countries tend to be a little bit more susceptible to hepatitis A because as we've shared many, 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 many times in this series, water contamination, water sanitation, food practices, just overall good sanitation practices plays a huge role in your susceptibility to viruses and diseases. And as our sanitation practices and our cleanly water practices and our food practices have gotten better over time. Statistically, so have diseases, although people are going to still point that vaccines are the cause for that, which I would beg to differ because even looking at this example alone, hepatitis A is 
not common at all in the United States, but almost every single child in third world countries will get hepatitis A. And again, that comes through contamination of food and water and through ingestion. So hepatitis A is very unique because it affects age ranges very differently. So in children, most children actually will not show symptoms at all, and they won't even know that they have it. If they do show symptoms, you might see mild diarrhea and a little bit of a fever. When you get this disease, you develop lifetime immunity. Natural lifetime immunity is very real with hepatitis A. And if you are a child who actually naturally gets hepatitis A, you will be immune for life. It's not a disease that mutates or not a disease that can change over time. Natural immunity will provide lifetime immunity. In older kids, studies do show about 10 years and older that older kids, when they get it, they actually might show a little bit more symptoms than young children. They might see more symptoms like vomiting, maybe a few days of diarrhea, maybe even a slight jaundice. And adults, when they get hepatitis A, this is actually where the concern is. So adults that catch hepatitis A, it can be pretty miserable. Symptoms show from getting hepatitis A and as an adult, you can actually have days of vomiting, even weeks of diarrhea, and even really bad jaundice. Some adults even have liver damage, and this could actually cause liver liver damage in, in many people who get hepatitis A as an adult. The symptoms of this overall across the board, though, do look very similar to food poisoning symptoms, which is pretty ironic to an extent because this tends to be a disease that comes from contaminated foods or contaminated waters or uncleanly sanitation practices. But going back to the idea that children typically show zero symptoms, even in third world countries, most of them don't even know that they have it, yet adults have the more severe symptoms and actually can result in in damage of the liver. And and this is where when you study bad cases and fatalities, it's actually studied in adults. And, And this poses the question, you know, we give this vaccine. So hepatitis A is given at our 12 month and 18 month checkup. So our children are getting this at one year old and just about six months after that at their 18th month visit. And again, it just posed the question, why, why give this to our young children who really truly pose no risk to getting this disease? And why don't we give it to adults who have concerns with this disease? And, and not even that, you know, you're going to hear the, well, it's providing the adults more immunity when they get it as a kid. But we have seen over history of vaccinations that Vaccines tend to wear off over time. And that is why so many vaccines have boosters and there or have multi doses because they don't provide lifetime immunity. And um, this vaccine is one of those that 
although you are getting it only at 12 months and 18 months, it has been studied to not be sustainable through a period of life. And even at that, we have no data to actually prove that because this vaccine didn't hit the market until about 1995. So we really are only looking at about 26, 27 years of this on the market. So we truly don't know what the longevity of this vaccine has on adults and how long it will last. And so I I just ask the question, why give this vaccine to a young child who poses zero risk of, of having severe reactions to this, to this disease when let alone most kids don't even show symptoms But yet adults are the ones who have this disease very brutally with severe vomiting, weeks potentially of diarrhea, which we know can lead to dehydration, liver damage potential, even liver failure. Why don't we give this to adults if this is such an important vaccine? Just something I want you guys to ponder, just considering this in itself. So third world countries. It is studied that almost every child will get hepatitis A. Did you know that most of the adult population in third world countries do not get hepatitis A and do not have any concern with hepatitis A? Why? Because of that natural lifetime immunity. But it's very interesting to know that in the United States, it's the opposite children aren't getting hepatitis A or that we know of, because again, most of them don't show symptoms, but adults are the ones that get hepatitis A in the United States. And it makes me wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that we aren't allowing our children to get that lifetime immunity. We aren't allowing our children to become immune naturally because we are injecting them with a vaccine to prevent them from getting a disease that quite frankly can protect them for their adulthood. Something to ponder there. And we, we typically also don't see much hepatitis A in our children, and not only what could be claimed as because of the vaccine, but because we have cleaner sanitation practices. We have cl- much, much cleaner water than third world countries. We have much more ability to be able to wash our hands and to bathe ourselves and to eat clean foods. So that is another huge reason why hepatitis A is so low risk in the United States. In fact, on average, up until recently, we really were on average be seeing about 1500 reported cases every single year in the United States. And these were most all in adults. Now, lately, there have been huge outbreaks, upwards to about 12,000 cases some a year, exclusively in homeless and IV drug users. Now, knowing what we know about this disease and knowing what we know about where it comes from, unfortunately, it, it makes sense that we have such outbreaks with hepatitis A and homeless communities because obviously in those homeless communities, we have much less clean sanitation practices for these people. They don't have homes where they can wash their hands or bathe. They're typically sleeping on the streets. We, we don't know when the last time they bathed are. Most of homeless people are people who aren't properly nourished. 
Maybe they have a drug or an alcohol problem. You know, we see this a lot in IV drug users as well, which tends to lead to bad sanitation practices. And these are where we're seeing a lot of outbreaks, especially in areas in California of very heavily populated homeless communities where it can easily be spread through these communities. And you're just seeing a huge outbreak because of these low sanitation practices. And again, these people are adults. So you're seeing a lot more fatalities and you're seeing a lot more issues with hepatitis A because this is happening in the adult population. As we shared previously, hepatitis A poses zero to no risk at all to young children. In fact, young, young children don't even show symptoms. Ages around 10 and above, they show potentially some symptoms, maybe a little bit more severe. You could have a couple days worth of diarrhea and some jaundice, but it's that adult population that could have weeks lingering of symptoms and liver damage or even failure. Something I think is so important to look at. Along with looking at the amount of cases, I want to share the fatalities. So over the last few years, we've actually seen a good amount of fatalities, very, very sadly. We've seen about 400 fatalities over the last few years in this hepatitis A population. And this is all through that homeless IV drug user population of where those outbreaks are happening. We're seeing some fatalities and and a good percentage. I mean, 400 of about 12,000 is still a small amount relatively, but that is still for these statistics, a pretty high number. So again, it makes you ask that question. Why are we not doing more to protect our adults when I, I know the reason why we get hepatitis B to newborns is because we can't hold, let's say, drug users or people that are homeless accountable to actually get into a doctor's office and get a vaccine. I, I 100% understand and acknowledge that. But we are learning that getting hepatitis A at a young age provides natural immunity. And now we are vaccinating to pull that natural immunity away. Again, very, 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 very important things to ponder. And I want to share the statistic for fatalities in kids, which is zero. There have been zero reported fatalities in kids from hepatitis A. Also, I think it's important to note that hepatitis A is a treatable disease. If you catch it, it's very hard for homeless people or people in those communities to get treatment. And so that makes it a little bit more challenging for them to survive. But if you are someone who gets hepatitis A, you need to know that this is treatable. There are treatments and a very common treatment for this is IV antibodies, actually somewhat similar to the treatment practices of COVID, the monoclonal antibodies, which I know raises so much concern and so much controversy, but it is a practice that is very well used and highly um, recommended as a treatment for hepatitis A in this situation. And what does this IV antibodies do? You are basically getting plasma from someone that is exposed or immune from hepatitis A, and you are getting that into your body via IV to help treat hepatitis A. So once again, we are looking back at people who are naturally immune from natural immunity to treat those who get it. So why are we taking away the ability to become naturally immune to this disease that isn't even common in the United States? Why? 
We just, we have to keep asking why. So a little bit of information on the vaccine and how it is produced. So once again, this vaccine is fairly new on the market. It's been around a little more than 20 years. It came out in about 1995. This is an inactivated vaccine, which means it is not a live virus. They inactivate it, which means, especially when we are looking at inactivated vaccines, that typically means you are going to have more harsh toxic ingredients because those toxic ingredients adjuvants, which essentially help that vaccine to work better because it's not a live virus. So how do we make a hepatitis A vaccine? So they basically take a hepatitis A disease from someone that was infected many, many years ago, and they grow it in human fetal cell lines. So another vaccine that has aborted fetal tissues. This one in specific is the MRC5. We talked about that in detail last week. We also talked about this in our ingredients episode, the details of aborted fetal cell lines. So I'm not going to go into it on this one, but we are growing the hepatitis A in human fetal cell lines. And essentially then what we do is we break open those human fetal cells and we keep growing more viruses in more fetal cells. So then what they do is, and they take formalin or in some cases formaldehyde to deactivate this virus, to make it inactivated or to essentially make it no longer infectious. And then once it is no longer infectious, that they put this with aluminum to create it to be, to make it to be stronger and to help it work better. And that is again, because it's not live. When a virus is not live, it is not as potent and it does not quote unquote work as well. So they need to add adjuvants, which tend to be very harsh, toxic ingredients. And then from here, it is put into the serum to be injected at your 12-month and 18-month checkup. So we have MRC5, we have formalin, we have aluminum, we have polyosorbate 20, we have neomycin, we have the bovine albium, which is the cow blood, we have formaldehyde. And just going back to the neomycin, so antibiotics, I want to touch on this. So We see this in a lot of our vaccines. So antibiotics are in vaccines to help keep them sterile from contaminants. As vaccines are being created, they are exposed to many things in the air, especially. And so antibiotics are in a lot of our vaccinations. And a lot of people don't fully understand that antibiotics are in their vaccination. So they're blindly vaccinating their children with antibiotics, which we know is not good for the microbiome. And a lot of children actually have antibiotic resistances and have antibiotic sensitivities. So you could be injecting something into your child's body that you shouldn't be because they have reactions to this. So this is something that I think is also important. Yes, we spend so much time on this show talking about the harsh ingredients of the toxins like formaldehyde and aluminum, but then we talk about the aborted fetal tissues and the emulsifiers like polyosorbate 80. And we haven't really touched so much on antibiotics. And I think it's so important because the more antibiotics that we give to our children, the more that they become resistant and the more we destroy their microbiome and their gut health. And 
everything starts with the gut, you guys, everything. And if we are destroying our gut, we are having so many other issues down the road. And yes, maybe in in the moment, your child might be getting vaccinated and you might think, oh, because they didn't have a febrile seizure or because they, in what you see normal and let's say 20 years, they might be having so much inflammation because their gut is so destroyed. That can lead to so many more issues like depression, anxiety, mental health conditions, bipolar, ADD, ADHD, so many things that are triggered from an unwell microbiome. And that all starts from antibiotics. Antibiotics after antibiotics after antibiotics destroy your children's microbiome. And they are in our vaccines. And I want you guys to also remember that when we talk about these vaccines, it's not just the one that they're getting at a checkup, right? This hepatitis A vaccination is given at your 12 months checkup, where you are also given other vaccines like your MMR, your varicella, your chickenpox vaccine, and some situations your pneumococcal vaccine. You have other maybe catch-ups if you are behind. These are all given to you at once. So you might have a little bit of neomycin in this one and a little bit of neomycin in this one, maybe a couple other antibiotics. You might have a little bit of an aluminum in this one, and you might have a little bit of formaldehyde in this one, and you're getting them on the same day. And you're going to ask why those trace amounts matter. They matter so much, my friend. They matter so much. And the more that we expose our children to ingredients that are not meant to be injected into our body, the more side effects that we are going to see. And we are seeing that now real time in today's society and today's world. We are seeing so many unhealthy people people who are constantly getting sick, who have weak immune systems. You know, you look at all these people with underlying health conditions. The average person nowadays has two to three underlying health conditions. And and, and no, am I saying it is one thing that caused it? Absolutely not. But it's the compounding of so much harsh things that God never intended for us to put into our children's or adults' bodies like vaccines and processed foods and seed oils and our, and, and our water that we're drinking, the, the ingredients in our water, the fluoride and, and everything that we consume, these harsh, harsh, harsh ingredients that we just are around and surrounded by. And we wonder why so many people have underlying health conditions. And those underlying health conditions could very well be a reason why adults react so bad to a disease that is near nothing to children, to a disease that most children get that they don't even know they have. These are all things that we have to look at, you guys. And yet we typically can't ask that question in the doctor's office. And in fact, this specific disease and vaccine, I should say, is not required in some schools. Some schools do not mandate you getting this vaccine. And and if you were to go to your doctor's office and tell them, you know what, we're going to personally opt out of this one because our school doesn't mandate it. A lot of doctors might force it upon you because it's a part of the CDC schedule. And in order for your doctors to get their little bonus or to have a certain percentage of their clients, or I should say patients vaccinated, 
you have to, it counts for the whole CDC schedule. You can't count someone as vaccinated if they picked and choose what they wanted. A vaccinated child is someone that is up to date. It's not someone that decided they didn't want to get the hepatitis A vaccine because it's not mandatory and the hepatitis A disease poses no threat to our children. If you choose not to get this, you are seen as not up to date to your doctor, which means that they potentially could be missing out on their compliance bonus, which to me is such a financial conflict of interest. Going to some more statistics on this vaccine, though, as I just went on a little rampage, um, the vaccine is studied to actually, we see this in a lot of vaccines, so we shouldn't be surprised at this point, but this vaccine poses no public health concern getting it, and that could be a reason why it's not mandated in schools, in some schools, I should say, not all schools, and that is because this vaccine does not work to slow the spread. It is a ingested spread virus. Therefore, injecting also poses a huge reason why this is the case. But this vaccine is there to help weaken the symptoms and you can still catch this. So you could be getting a vaccine to protect you from a disease that you could still get. And I just want to make this make sense. On average, a child who gets the hepatitis A shows no symptoms at all. So let's give a vaccine that is just meant to pose no symptoms to a child who typically will show no symptoms if they get the disease. And let's give it to the people who literally show no symptoms, which are our kids from 12 to 18 months. Make it make sense. Logically, this would make sense to give to adults who are the ones that are at concern, who are the ones that could have serious side effects from getting this disease, who are the ones that probably could benefit from having weaker symptoms. But instead, we're going to give it to our children at 12 months and 18 months with potential that we know because we know as vaccines work, they do not provide lifetime immunity. They eventually wear off. So potentially by the time that we are adults, the vaccine could potentially not even be working anymore. Make it make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. This is a vaccine that really truly makes no sense to me. And it makes even more no sense to me when you really look at these numbers. So the Vaccine Adverse Effects Reporting System, VAERS, has 5,000 serious vaccine reactions reported and 150 of them fatal from this vaccine that we give to children, remember. So these, these reactions are in our infants. So 5,000 serious vaccine reactions from children around 12 months to 18 months, because that's when they're getting it, and 150 fatal reported to theirs. That's just reported. That's not actual. That's just reported. I want to remind you, there have been zero reported fatalities of hepatitis A in children. I want to repeat, there have been zero reported fatalities of hepatitis A in kids. There have been 150 reported fatalities in kids to theirs. Just take a minute and think about that alone. Carrying on. The Vaccine Injury Court has 160 serious reaction claims and seven fatalities that actually went to court to get compensation. 
seven fatalities actually made it to court when there are zero fatalities from the disease in children. Kind of crazy, right? Another thing crazy is the other side effects that come from the vaccine. So the insert reports about a 1% rate of febrile seizures in babies in their clinical studies from this vaccine. 1% rate, which might not seem like a high percentage, but when you have a 0% rate of fatalities of this disease and the average of about 150 cases a year in adults, that's that kids, again, it's almost non-existent, but yet you have a 1% chance of febrile seizures that is just from this vaccine. And if you guys haven't been listening to the last few episodes, all of these other vaccines have side effects. So you take this side effect of 1% with febrile seizures, you take the other statistic of febrile seizures and let's say chickenpox vaccine, and then you do the math. What are we suspecting our children to? What are we injecting into our children? Does it really matter? Is it that important? Some other things that I feel are important to take note of in the vaccine insert, as we always should be taking note of, is the infamous 13.1 non-clinical toxicity, which means that the Haverix, which in specific is the hepatitis A vaccine insert that I am looking at right now, has not been evaluated for its carcinogenic potential, mutagenic potential, or potential for impairment of fertility. So let's go ahead and give our children a vaccination on their 12-month and 18-month checkup for a disease that poses no threat to them, yet the vaccine could potentially cause cancer, could potentially impair your fertility, because we don't know. There has been no studies that show that. But let's blindly trust this vaccine because our doctors told us to do so because we are at such risk as children. And I'm not saying that you're not at risk as adults, but there is not enough data or scientific studies to show that you're protected as an adult because this vaccine has only been on the market since 1995. And if you look at the commonalities of getting hepatitis A, it is in third world countries where sanitation practices are low which unfortunately is why there's been so many outbreaks in heavily populated communities of the homeless or IV drug users. If you are listening to this and you do not do IV drugs or you are not homeless or you have a situation where you have good, clean water and good food, I promise you, you're doing much better than you think. And I urge you to ask some questions of, do you really need this vaccine? Are you that at risk? Look at the at-risk communities, look at the odds and the statistics and ask yourself if you're at risk. And ask yourself why they don't get this vaccine to adults when they're the ones that truly are at risk and why they're giving it to our young children who are not at risk. This vaccine just makes me so confused. And this vaccine makes me really open my eyes to the corruption of the vaccine pushing community and to the CDC that it pushes this vaccine when I don't fully understand why. 
there's always going to be people in your ear that are going to try to scare you or give you some crazy statistic or going to try to tell you something to, to push you to do this. And I want to remind you that no one knows you better than you know yourself. No one knows your child better than you know your child. And you are the gatekeeper of your home. So no matter what people are going to be telling you, take matters into your own hands. Do the research. Read the inserts. Read the studies. Dig deeper. Ask the questions. I promise you, you will find answers and you will find answers much better than your doctor will provide them for you because they are not giving you informed consent. They can't give you informed consent. There just is not enough time. And I say this with all due respect. If you are a doctor listening, I am not saying that you are failing your patients because I know that you are busy. I know that you have so much on your plate. You simply do not have time to inform your patients over everything that they have of risks and potentials and side effects of getting these vaccines. But on the other hand, if you are a doctor, I urge you to do better for your patients and be okay if they want to opt out of this one or a different vaccine because they don't feel it's important for their child to have it because there are such little risks of the disease where there is much higher risks of the vaccine. Know better, do better. I say it all the time, but it's true. You have to know better to do better. And if you don't know any better, you are going to blindly trust people. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't blindly trust people because there are some people that really do have good intentions. Unfortunately, money does evil things though. And when there's financial interest and when there's financial gains or when there's just too much time or busy lives or people don't know you, they don't know the answer to the questions or they don't know exactly the right thing to do because there's so many other conflicts of interest. So nobody knows you better than you know yourself and remind yourself of that when it comes to the time to make these decisions. Next week, we are going to continue through the vaccine conversation series. And as always, I'm just going to ask once again, if you like this series, if you like this podcast in itself, if you could take a couple seconds, even even a minute to take a minute and write me a review on Apple Podcasts, my reviews are what push the podcast for more people to see. And that goes such a long way. And I just, from the bottom of my heart, would really appreciate any review that you would be willing to share me. You can throw me a five-star. Heck, you can throw me a one-star. I hope that we don't do that. I hope you guys are loving the show, but I just want feedback. And I also would really just really appreciate it if you could take the time and rate this show and give it a review because those reviews help so much. And I do this for you guys. I do this to help educate Do I want to take all this time out of my weeks to do this when I'm building a house, when I'm getting married, planning so much? No, I don't. To be honest with you, it's so time consuming, but guess what? I love it because I love helping. And I wouldn't do this if I didn't have a passion and a drive to help educate people because I was once there. I was once in a place where I I just wanted help. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I didn't know. And I never want to be when I'm the time comes in a situation where I wish I could say I knew better. And so that's why I did this. So hopefully, even if I can impact one person, that's enough. 
if I can impact one person in the sense that they don't have to say, I wish I knew better, that's all I need. So if I could just hear from you guys in a review, or if you want to message me on Instagram, or I even have a little, I threw my, um, a number in the show notes. If you text that number and just share with me what you want to hear or your feelings on this, that would be just so greatly appreciated. So I know that what I'm doing is helping you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in week after week, and we will be picking up next week through this vaccine series.